Lord, we know that words and actions cannot describe the magnitude of what you have done for us. Father, we are thankful that, Lord, that you did not spare your son. Your word says that for you so loved the world that you gave your one and only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, we thank you that today, tonight, we stand upon the finished work of the cross. That, Lord, we are made holy. We are cleansed because of the blood of Jesus. Lord, we ask, help us, Lord, to always be reminded of what you have done and never to take our salvation for granted. Never to take even this moment for granted, O God. You have made it all possible. So, Lord, we thank you. We pray for those who have yet to come to know you, that tonight, that they will come to know you. Those who are far away from you, Lord, they will return back to you. Those that, Lord, they have known you, Lord, we pray that we will be drawn closer to you, O Father. So, Lord, we thank you. Pray that speak to us, Lord, only you can. Lord, tonight, make it personal for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, how many of you are glad of what Jesus has done for us? Amen. You know, God made a way for each and every one of us because of His death on the cross. And today, we are celebrating Good Friday. It's because of what Jesus had done. Amen. You know, it is not about a commercialized uh, event or, you know, that, that, that the church has or whatsoever, but it's really, you know, for us to remember that Jesus has suffered for us. He died on the cross for you and I so that we can have eternal life. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, today is Good Friday. Good Friday is good because of Jesus. Amen? And, you know, I, I just want to, I just want all of us to turn to John chapter 19, verse 29. All right, it says this. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You know, these were the last few words of Jesus before he died on the cross. You know, last words are very important. Amen. Because it, you know, last words are dying declaration can, that can be a testimony even in the court of law. You know, no one in his right frame of mind would tell a joke in his last few moments in his life. You get what I mean? The last few words are words of either, you know, of, of great importance or, or great reminder. You know, it is not a few words that, that, you know, that people have that, you know, that will take it lightly. But these few words that Jesus said that it is finished. Everybody said it is finished. This carried a lot of weight for each and every one of us. In Greek, these three words is tetelestai, which means it is accomplished. Nothing more that needs to be done, nothing less that had not been done. So Jesus didn't say that I am finished or Jesus said it is finishing. In fact, Jesus said it is finished. So in other words, what Jesus said was that it has been completed. Amen? So this is important because in, in those times, if you live in that world, tetelestai is, is about a task. That is a common word that they use when they are given a task like a servant to do something. When a servant completes, he goes back to the master and says, tetelestai. Means that it's been done. If someone owes a debt and he pays off the debt, the person will say, tetelestai. 
So the word tetelestai means there's nothing more that needs to be done. And there's nothing less that, that, that you have not been or you have not fulfilled. So it is important that this word that Jesus said, Tetelestai, he said this because what Jesus did on the cross is enough. There is no need for a sequel. There is nothing more that needs to be done. There's nothing more that needs to be paid. Jesus bore it all for us. And Jesus did not take the shortcut. You know, and I was pondering upon this word this, this past, you know, a few days and just thinking about it is finished, it is finished. You know, what, what does the word, you know, or what was this phrase really mean? As I look, as I read, you know, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John, I found that in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, when before Jesus, uh, you know, was crucified on the cross, he was offered wine mixed with myrrh. Right after he was flogged, his body was, you know, was, was, uh, was you know, his back was bare open by, by, by the whip. And what happened was that before he hung, he was crucified on the cross, he was offered wine mixed with myrrh. And I found out that this was actually the common practice for anyone, you know, during the Roman world to be, you know, to be crucified. Before that, they were given this wine mixed with myrrh. Why? Because wine mixed with myrrh is a form of painkiller. So when you drink of it, then when you hang on the cross, you will not feel the full brunt of the crucifixion. But Jesus, when the first time he was offered wine mixed with myrrh, he refused to drink it because he knew that this price had to be paid in full. That Jesus had to experience the full brunt of the sin or the penalty of sin upon his body for you and I. And then later on in Mark chapter 15 verse 36, he was then, you know, when he was there on the cross and he said, I thirst. And someone ran and took wine mixed with vinegar. So this is different from wine mixed with myrrh. So as I did some study, wine mixed with vinegar, what happened is this, there is someone in, in that Roman world that this is a refreshing drink. So when you are tired or after a long you know, uh, day of work or whatever, you need something refreshing, you drink wine with vinegar, mixed with vinegar. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you know, he, firstly, he did not take the shortcut. And secondly, when they were offered to him, he wanted to stay awake. And that's why the people down there and say, wait first, wait first, let's see who he shall call upon. Is it Elijah that's going to come? Because Jesus was still awake. And Jesus went through all until he breathed his last. And before he did that, he says, Father, I commit my, my spirit to you because he, he knew that everything that was given to him has been accomplished. So these few words, Tetelestai goes far beyond just something that we watch on TV or just something that we hear. But it was a real event that Jesus said that your sin has been taken away once and for all. That there's nothing that's upon your life that needs to be done anymore or anything less that you have not been done. Because Jesus said, I've done it all for you and I. So this is the word Tetelestai. When Jesus cried out, it is finished. It opened a way for us. 
It is a beginning for you and I. It was an end for him on the cross, but it's the beginning of our journey in God. Everything was paid in full. Everything. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, it says this, but in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sin committed in ignorance. So Hebrews 9, verse 7, is the old covenant way of atoning for sins. So the priest will have to go in to the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat, and he had to bring a blood sacrifice and sprinkle, you know, on, on the altar, on the mercy seat, for the forgiveness of the sins of the people that has been committed. So that's the old way. And this is not enough. Year in, year out, every year, annually, the priests, the high priests have to do that. And that is not enough for the, for the remission of sins. I want to show you, so I want to illustrate something to you. Remember the old covenant. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to verse 12, this is amazing. And it says this, Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, because the, the, the blood of the animal sacrifice is not enough. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus said that he sat down, our high priest, Jesus Christ, now sat down on the right hand of God. Why was there no seat beforehand? Because it was never enough. It is never enough. The priests have to go in again and again. Why is there a seat? Why is a seat important? Because this signifies rest. So when, when Jesus has done it all, that's why he can sit down at the right hand of the Father. Previously, the priest, there's no need for rest because there's never been enough. Because every year, the seed will, will not be there. Because every year, the, it has to go in again and again and again. And the amazing thing is this, because of what Jesus had done, the Bible tells us He has made us to be seated in the heavenly places with Him. So tonight you are justified. You are made clean. You are made whole. Nothing more than needs to be done. Nothing less that you, you, that you need to accomplish. He sat down in the old covenant. There was not a need for a chair because the high priest has to go in again annually. It will never be rest. But what Jesus had done for us, all has been settled. Amen? In Hebrews 10, verse 14, by, for by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Friends, tonight, if you have come into this place and you feel that you're not good enough, let me tell you what, Jesus says you are good enough. So he died for you and I. And Jesus said, it is finished. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it is finished. What did Jesus finish? What did Jesus finish on the cross? Number one, he nullified the penalty of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, it is not that we stop sinning. I pray that this will be a revelation to you and I. 
but the penalty of sin can't be imputed on those who believe in Christ Jesus. Because before Jesus, when you sin, the wages of sin is death. But because of what Jesus had done, friends, we have life eternal in Christ Jesus. So the penalty of sin does not hold any weight on our lives anymore. That is why the Bible tells us this, when we have sinned, all we need to do is to come to Christ, come to God and, and, you know, and acknowledge our sin and ask for forgiveness. No longer is there a need for a blood sacrifice anymore. Sometimes, in, you know, as Christians, we try so hard thinking that we need to do this or do that. And friends, let me tell you what, it's not by works. It's by faith to approach God. There's no sin in this world that He can't forgive. Friends, Jesus loves you. He took away the penalty of sin, the eternal judgment of the penalty of sin. Secondly, what did Jesus finish? He finished death. He defeated death. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 says, But now, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Romans chapter 5, verse 18 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So what Jesus had done for you and I. Friends, death is defeated forever. That's why as Christians, we do not need to fear death. That's why in every Christian funeral that you go to, chances are you will hear this phrase, death is a doorway to eternal life. That even in death, we can have hope. Because our life is far more than just the life here on earth. That we no longer need to fear death. Those that do not have Christ, they fear death. Because they think that their whole life is only here. But I can tell you this. Jesus said there is a life in eternity with Him. We do not need to fear death. Thirdly, Jesus brought salvation. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 to verse 10, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, so much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus brought salvation to you and I. Friends, there's nothing that you can do to inherit that salvation. It is purely by what God had done. Religion, every religion will tell you that you need to do good. 
You need to do this to do that so that you will have this and that. But I tell you what, friends, it will never be enough. Because just as you do one good thing, you might have done 10 wrong things. It will never be enough. But Jesus, the salvation that he offers us is that he did everything for us once and for all. Jesus brought salvation to you and I. We are safe and justified by his blood. And fourthly, Jesus, he broke the separation between man and God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13 says, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So there no longer be a separation between you, between you and God. Even the book of Matthew says that when Jesus breathed his last, the veil that separated the holy of holies from the, from the commonplace, the veil tore in between, in the middle, right from the top down. It was broken. And it signified this, that there's no longer separation between you and God. That God made it clear that it is not something that man can do. It is what Jesus had done for you and I. Friends, I believe tonight, as Christians, we need to be reminded of that again. Too often we take our salvation for granted. It was paid with a price. And that price was a heavy price. I was telling someone the other day, why is it called the good news? I can honestly tell you this, the good news is for us. But when Jesus died on the cross, it was bad news in heaven. Because the prince of heaven, the king of kings and the lord of lords had to die for you and I. But it was good news for us. Because nothing that we can do by our own self can save us. But because of what Jesus had done, you and I, tonight, we are saved by what Jesus had done on the cross. Friends, we have that good news. We have salvation in Christ. I pray that as believers in Christ tonight, there'll be even a greater resolve to live our lives, to be holy and pleasing unto the Lord. That we will not make decisions in our lives that will cause us to deviate from the will of God. That we will always be constantly reminded that we need to make decisions that we're honoring unto God. Because what Jesus died on the cross it's too heavy a price for heaven. And one of the few words of Jesus 
He cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? For that one moment, you must understand that Jesus, in his whole entirety, he was with the Father. And when he came to this earth, he was so one with the Father. And for that moment, it was a moment of agony. Because for once, that when he died on the cross, he bore the sins of the world. And God the Father would turn his face away from him. It was a heavy price. Friends, don't take our salvation for granted. Sometimes people get upset with God just because they don't get any, they don't get something that they ask from God. Some people get upset with God because, you know, they, they just want to be angry with God. Tell you what, don't do that. For those of you who have yet to know Jesus, let me tell you what, no religion can save you. No good works is good enough. All you need is to open your heart to Jesus, to invite Him to be your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says this, upon the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart, you shall be saved. And people say, is that so simple? It was not simple because of what Jesus had already done. It was not simple for Jesus, but it was made simple to us because of Jesus. For those of you who are far away from God, return. Return back to Him. Because there's nothing, you know, we can go through the motions of, of Christianity. We, we can, you know, have a form of godliness. But that's not good enough. What Jesus really wants is a relationship between us and Him. You know, I want to encourage us. Don't let the busyness of life rob us away of that relationship with Him. For those of us who are serving, all those of you in leadership, don't let the busyness of ministry rob you away from that which is more important, which is relationship with Him. Friends, tonight is a reminder for all of us. Don't take this lightly. The price was too heavy for heaven. But we thank God that Jesus paid it anyway for you and I. Friends, I pray that every one of us tonight will open our hearts to Jesus. Tonight, let, me, let it be a time of pondering. Let it be a time of just reflecting of your life. Maybe some of you really feel that you, you, you've been trying so hard, but yet you don't feel that peace. Trying to be a good Christian. <coughs> Friends, let me tell you, stop trying. Because nothing you can do that can save you. Jesus had already done that for you. All you need 
to come to Him and open our hearts to Him. Friends, I believe that as we draw closer to God, God is going to show us even more for you and I. So why not? Let's take these few moments wherever you are seated. I believe that this message is as much as I preach it, it is as much as it is for myself as well, as a reminder. Don't take our salvation for granted. So why not just close our eyes, every one of us all across this place. Tonight we want to pray for a few groups of people. I believe that you are here. You need to hear this. First group of people, I want to pray for with every eyes closed here, no one looking around. Those of you, you are not yet a believer in Christ. You have not asked Jesus into your life, into your heart, to be your saviour. To ask Him for the forgiveness of all the sins and wrongs you have done. And you want to cry out to Him tonight and say, Lord, forgive me, be my Lord, be my saviour. With every eyes closed, where we are seated, if you are that person, I want you to be brave enough at the count of three to lift up your right hand and put it down. That's all I want you to do. Friends, it's between you and God. We're going to count to three right now. One, two, three. Is there anyone? Just lift up your hand and put it down. Okay. I'm going to pray for a second group of people. You know that you've been far away from God. You may be in church. You may be involved in activities, but you know you are far away or you are away from God. And tonight, you're saying, God, I want to make a fresh commitment to you. I just want to make it right with you. Wherever you are, at the count of three, I want you to do the same. Lift up your right hand and put it down. One, two, three. Yes, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And third group of people that I want to pray for. So those of you here tonight, you are saying you want to make a fresh commitment to God. Lord, I want to love you more. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. If there's things in my life that I've missed out, Lord, I pray, help me to focus on you. So if you're that person, wherever you're seated, and the country also want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Yes, I see that. I see that. I see that. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. Why not every one of us just, you know, just repeat this prayer after me? We thank you for those of you, you know, in the second group of people that you have lifted up your hands just now. And asking God to, you know, to bring you back, that you want to come back to, to Him. I want to honor your bravery to lift up your hands. But even more so, I believe God is going to reveal more of Himself to you. So we're going to pray this prayer together. Amen. Every one of us. Dear Jesus. Come on, say it ten times louder. Dear Jesus. I thank you for what you have done. There's no longer separation between me and God. Thank you that today I can come back to you. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for the things that have distracted me. I want to come back stronger than before. So Jesus, I thank you that today, tonight, Lord, I know and I know that Lord, that I'm back with you. So Lord, I pray, draw me closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you, the third group of people, that you have lifted up your hands, wherever you are seated, you know who you are. This is what I want you to do. Wherever you are seated, I want you to stand to your feet at a count of three. Will you do that? You, you know the third group of people. All right, one, two, three. You stand up. You stand up. Yeah, lift out your hands. You stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see this are standing before you. Lord, we know that there are no works that's good enough to draw close to you. Lord, we pray that tonight, even as we stand in your presence, Lord, let the revelation of who you are be more and more evident in our lives, oh God. Lord, we desire for a deeper and a closer relationship with you. Lord, we are standing here not, Lord, in a place of, of disadvantage, but to really, Lord, to stand upon your promise that you have said, oh God, you, Lord, as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, from tonight onwards, Lord, our relationship with you, Lord, will go to the next level will be a deeper and more solid relationship with you. So Lord, we thank you, O oh God. We praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.